Hey, everybody. Welcome to this newest episode of No Wristbands We Drink for Free. Uh, this is a very exciting episode to me. When we started talking about what eventually would become this podcast, our website, and everything like that, um, we were talking about championing and supporting local artists and musicians. And the band that I kept coming back to time and time again when we were talking about it that I really stumped for was Rat Boys. Uh, we're fortunate enough this this episode to get to the chance to sit down and talk with Julia from Rat Boys. And it's a really big deal um, to me personally because I've been a big fan for a long time. And also because I, <laughs> this is so bad, I sent her an email out of the blue. It's like trying to come up with an in to ask them to come on the podcast for a really long time. And finally, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to shoot my shot. And I sent her an email and I said, hey, you know, we, we do this podcast. We're trying to support and advocate for local uh you know, artists and musicians in the Chicago music scene as a whole. And we'd love to have an opportunity to sit down and talk with you. And lo and behold, she got back to me and she was as nice and as cool as she seems to be from every interaction I've ever seen of her, both in person and online. Uh, so it was really cool to get a chance to sit down and talk with her. So I think you'll like this one. Um, hear a lot of really cool talk, talk about baseball, of course, podcasts, we're always talking about baseball somehow. Uh, gotta love those White Sox, but I think you'll enjoy this one. Uh, Sit back, relax, and give it a listen. And as always, give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at No Wristbands. We drink for free. So at No Wristbands. Thanks. Uh, we are here today with Julia Steiner from Rat Boys. How are you doing today, Julia? Hey, I'm good. How are you, Mark? Oh, I'm living the dream. Um, it's been a really busy day today. And after this, I get to bake cookies for my team that's coming <laughs> over tomorrow. So this is cool. the highlight. That other part will be good too. But yeah, I'm doing well. Nice. What kind of cookies are you going to make? Yes. So I'm making sugar cookies, like Ooh. raw, like not like from the tube, chop them up, like mm-hmm. the real deal. The real deal. And then we bought cookie cutters and my team gets to come in tomorrow and they get to stamp them all out. When I say that, it sounds like they're like really young. They're <laughs> they're, they're actual <laughs> adults, but that's what fun. they wanted to do. So we're going to have fun. Um, oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Uh, so we were just talking to Julia about her, where her allegiance lies in the hat game. She, you know, she wears a lot of different hats. That's a really bad <laughs> analogy right there, but she's wearing a socks hat right now, which is near and dear to at least my heart. And I just want to say thank you for that. First and foremost. Yes. I did it just for you. <laughs> I don't know how you knew, but that means a lot. I knew. I knew. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about, if you don't mind, your your start, your foray into the world of music. Um, from things I've, I've read, interviews, and things I've seen, videos, uh, it sounds like you started playing music at a younger age, like before you even got to college, and it was primarily solo. Uh, would you like to elaborate on that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, my, my first experience ever playing music, I was a little girl, like five or six years old. My parents enrolled me in piano lessons, um, which I feel like is a pretty typical thing that parents do with their kids. Um, I was the oldest in my family, so uh, they were kind of just trying all these things out with me. Um, <laughs> you were the guinea pig. I was the guinea pig for sure. Um, but I li- I enjoyed it. I, I did that for uh, a few years. Like, yeah, up until about eighth grade, I think. It was this thing called the Suzuki method. So basically, I didn't ever learn how to read sheet music. You learn by ear and by memorizing mm-hmm. oh, interesting. and picking it up, uh, just listening to your teacher. And so uh, I, looking back now, 
kind of like to think that I that like helped me, you know, like helped my ear develop a little bit, but I still don't know how to read sheet music. So uh didn't really have much technical training. But yeah, as soon as I hit eighth grade, I was kind of getting fed up with practicing piano and just all the rudiments and stuff. And so my parents let me quit, um, which I still kind of regret. But long story short, I ended up picking up my mom's guitar that she had lying around the house because she's a very musical person and uh, had her old childhood guitar around. And yeah, kind of just started learning some chords and took it from there. Um, but yeah, I was always I was always playing music alone, kind of. I never really... I didn't even think about starting a band because I didn't know how you would even like do that. <laughs> I like mm-hmm. I had I had friends, but none of them were really um, like playing instruments or trying to start a band or we didn't ever talk about it. So, yeah, I was totally content to just stay home and play guitar by myself. Um, but, yeah, it was surprisingly like sounds kind of sad and solitary when I talk about it, but it was, it was really fun. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Uh, so then you go to Notre Dame and you meet Dave, uh, right away. Right. And what was it like? Whose idea was it like, Hey, we should start playing music together. Who brought it up first? Um, Dave technically brought it up first when, so we actually like kind of crossed paths on the internet before we met in person, which is cool. Modern, you know, tale. (laughs) Um, and even this was like in 2010, but yeah, we, we found each other in like an incoming freshman Facebook group. And um, they added each other on Facebook and in his profile picture at the time he was playing bass and in mine at the time I was playing acoustic guitar. So I think he messaged me before we ever met in person is like, Hey, we should like play music when we get to school. And I said, sure. And then completely forgot about it. And then (laughs) he like tracked me down during freshman orientation. And yeah, we just started hanging out and we didn't really talk about playing music at that point. We kind of just, I had a guitar in my room and I remember one night when we were like hanging in my room, just kind of like, I don't know, broke it out and started playing stupid stuff and just making up dumb little songs on the guitar. And uh, yeah, it's extremely natural. Like I can't even describe, like I've never really felt that way around another person ever. Even like, my bandmates and people I've gotten to play music with so many amazing musicians. It's just a little different with Dave. Like Mm -hmm. it's always just felt extremely like, I don't know, very like natural and unspoken. Well, South Bend, Indiana isn't exactly uh, indie hotspot or anything. So, uh, you know, (laughs) did you find other like-minded people that wanted to hear what you were doing or, uh, or how'd that go? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not like right away at the very beginning of, college it felt like it was just us at notre dame like playing music but um during our time there we definitely met um some other a bunch of other students who were into playing music themselves and also like hosting shows on campus in like weird locations that was one of our favorite things to do like just like book book you know quote unquote these (laughs) diy shows uh you know in like like the art studio and like the cafeteria when it's closed Mm -hmm. and like just weird, weird places. And so, yeah, we met a few people and a few who are still going as well, which is so awesome. Um, So definitely not music isn't at the top of everyone's mind at Notre Dame, but there's a definitely, there was a pocket when we were there of like very creative musical folks. Awesome. A lot of smart people. So I'm not surprised by that. Um, (laughs) 
not to toot Notre Dame's horn. Uh, So um, how did you go from like, hey, let me play you this random song to like, let's start creating songs. Let's start performing together. How, How did that work? Was it just like a very natural progression? Yeah, yeah, I think so. This is stuff that I honestly can't even remember. Like I, I had a few songs, like I had written a number of songs in high school and ended up showing Dave some of those. I was able to kind of record uh, a little demo CD that I burned for like close friends the summer before I met Dave. So like right after I graduated high school. And so I think I must have given him one of those CDs or otherwise sent him those MP3s. I don't know. And um, and then wrote a few songs like during that those first few months that we became friends. And I would like immediately show him them show him the songs because I already felt like very comfortable to do that. Um, but the idea of like him playing on them was extremely exciting and a little scary for me. Cause like I had never jammed with anyone before. So it was kind of like nerve wracking, mm-hmm. you know, no, I wasn't like, yourself up. totally. Yeah. I wasn't, I felt really self-conscious at first about like just playing the song kind of repeatedly, like over and over to come up with ideas and, Dave was like, it's okay. We can play this like a hundred times and it'll still be fun. And like, you know, he was very like reassuring. So yeah, that was a, a great learning experience. Um, but yeah, we, we didn't really talk about it much. We kind of, yeah, just like he was interested in the songs I was writing and that was a big, like step in the right direction, like green light for me. And so, yeah, we kind of just, it unfolded from there, I guess. Uh, what would you say your, your writing process is like, you're always writing or it's like bursts of creativity or neither one of those things. Kind of somewhere in between. I, I like to think I'm always like observing and like coming up with ideas or writing, even if it's not like writing a song every day, writing something down every day that I might use in a song someday or who knows. Um, and then sometimes you get really lucky and you do have a burst of creativity or an idea that you had a long time ago, just returns and like Mm -hmm. crystallizes really fast. And um, that has happened a few times. Probably I could count them all on my fingers, but um, when that happens, I feel like anyone who writes songs knows it's just like something you appreciate and don't take for granted because it feels so (laughs) magical. And you're like, Whoa, that wasn't even me, you know, Mm -hmm. it's cool. I, I've been asking people this question from have you seen Get Back by the Beatles? Oh the Beatles yeah. Documentary? Oh yeah. yeah. Um what when we write resonate? Get Back? Yeah, it's like crazy, right? Does, do you resonate with that? Do you like relate to that at all? I mean, obviously maybe yeah. not like I've written one of the best songs of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I mean, that moment when he's doing that, I really it blew my mind even more because he was kind of doing that like stream of consciousness total improv like in not only in front of his two trusted bandmates which i can understand but also just like in front of these cameras just like so many people were in the room i in this very strange setting like of that movie studio i it blew my mind even more that he was able to just like do that exercise of just removing his ego from the room entirely and like getting in that like <laughs> transparent headspace in that strange context. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, yeah, it was like, yeah. cause like, it's one thing to get in that mode and like 
just try shit out and come up with something if you're like in your most safe comfortable space but yeah he was in like a weird zone and just yeah the song just came up it's so cool yeah it's that's like one of like 50 things i absolutely found captivating about yeah that. man totally i uh um, worth every penny disney plus got me <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah me too um so how did you guys progress to the point where you're like oh, hey we're gonna record music together or was that another just like totally natural progression um kind of yeah we um we I, I feel like around the time that we were like we had these this little batch of songs that we were messing around with um it was spring break <laughs> you know our <laughs> in our freshman year of college and i had recorded um my parts for those five songs and during in the couple weeks leading up to spring break which wasn't really a deadline we had set just kind of worked out that way and then so over that week, I kind of just gave Dave, I don't remember if I gave him my laptop or a flash drive or what. Um, Cause I was just using one of those like snowball mics, like in garage mm-hmm, band, mm-hmm, right. like sure. it was yeah. very low key. <laughs> and um, so I just gave him the files, I guess. And he went home to his parents' house in the Chicago suburbs, South side um, yes. to, uh, to add his parts, which at the time I didn't know what they were going to be. And then he just showed back up after spring break and was like here. And it blew my mind. <laughs> like it was so cool. <laughs> and so then we just put it up on Bandcamp, like as a, basically just something that we could show our friends. Um, and it was awesome. It, it was awesome. I, uh, the happy birthday rap boys. Fucking fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Man. Um, yeah, of, of course. Uh, so how do, how do you end up in Chicago? We were getting there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, um, well, so we both, we never thought of like dropping out of school or anything. Um, it was just kind of like at the beginning when we were making music, it was not for any sort of like career choice or like financial gain. It was literally just like a hobby and a passion and something to share with our friends. And so we both knew we wanted to finish school, um, but the very first shows that we ever played were in Oak Forest, where Dave grew up, which is on the south side of Chicago. Um, and so I like ended up meeting a bunch of Dave's friends down there and like just made other friends in that community through music. And so I kept in touch with those people on the Internet. And then when I graduated in 2014, I kind of realized that summer um, I was like, I could you know, maybe be real life friends with a lot of these internet music friends I have in Chicago. So I kind of, I was, got really lucky. I just like applied for a job at a PR firm downtown and like got that job and found a roommate and kind of just moved there on a whim um, and never looked back. It's been uh, seven years. So was that always with the intention that you're like, I'm going to do music full time or was it like this will continue to be, I don't want to, I don't feel like it's degrading to call it a hobby, but like this will continue to be like a pursuit for me. Yeah. Like a personal thing. Yeah. I, um, I didn't really know like when I, when I moved, uh, to Chicago, well, okay. It was, there were a couple different things happening at once. Like the week that I went up there to look to like go apartment hunting with my roommate, um, 
one of those friends that Dave went to high school with who I met invited me to kind of join a new project that he was working on. And so I like that week that I was apartment hunting, I recorded vocals on um, his songs and stuff and met uh, who a guy who would become a very good friend of ours, Seth Engel, who recorded those songs. And he asked me about, you know, what songs we had, we were working on. And so we made plans then to like kind of record our first album in Chicago, which we ended up doing that fall on the weekends. Cause I was working full time and Dave was still in school. Long story short, um, kind of through the process of like recording every weekend and working this soul sucking corporate job, <laughs> I, uh, kind of found myself just wanting to try to play as many shows as possible. And, the way that we could do that at the time was just cold calling people and like cold emailing people, so to speak uh, on the internet. How we got you on. Yeah. yeah. Literally dude. Yeah. Straight <laughs> up. I would yeah. just, I would just email and message like any band I liked and like friends of friends and people who had never heard of us or never met us and just been like, Hey, like, you know, we're book- I'm booking a tour. And I found myself just doing that at work like so much and not really looking forward to doing any other thing at work so mm-hmm. um and <laughs> it's another, nice to get paid to do that well totally i mean <laughs> yeah right working on the clock <laughs> yeah but the thing is <laughs> dude the thing is i wasn't even making that much money at that job i was like just an intern so i was getting like a crazy low hourly wage mm. and then at nights to subsidize my shitty corporate income i would work like uh courier jobs like um what's it even called like gig economy shit mm-hmm like grocery delivery at night and make way more money doing that at night on my own schedule. I was like, Oh, I could just do this all the time and then have flexibility and <laughs> mm-hmm. play shows. So anyway, uh, it, it came quickly. I realized that's what I wanted to try and do. Was it like a scary conversation with your parents? We were like, Hey, I know I just graduated college, but I'm like, forget the corporate <laughs> world. I'm just going to make music. No, honestly. Well, I was able to make enough money to support myself. This was like, the golden age of like this app I was using at the time is Instacart. It was like just mm-hmm. starting. I, Dave and I were both like in the first 500 shoppers in the city. Um, and so I was making like good, mo- like a twice as much as I was at my corporate job. And so when I quit, um, you know, I kind of told them my plan and they were like, you know, go for it. I don't know. I'm very lucky. Like my parents are supportive and they were like, try it. Like Mm -hmm. you're young, whatever. And when they realized I wasn't coming to them asking for money, they were like, Oh, you can support yourself. Yeah. Go for it. Do whatever you want. (laughs) And so, yeah, it, it worked out. That's awesome. Just got to hustle, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for For sure. sure. For sure. We've all had those, those shit jobs starting out. Right. Yeah, man. Um, I don't want to degrade any place I've worked at, but I worked at an art gallery till 11 o'clock at night all the time on the weekends. So it's like people really buying paintings then. I don't know, (laughs) but I was there. Uh, Just in case. Yeah. Just in case you got that one drunk person walking. This is when I lived in New Orleans, walking Mm -hmm. and being like, Hey, I want that painting. Right. Uh, But we're not here to talk about me. (laughs) What's it like uh, revisiting happy birthday rap boy. Do you feel that's like, in your mind, is that like, this is our new album or is this like a reimagining slash re-release of it? Like, how do you, how do you, and how does the band feel about that? You know, that's something that I've actually been thinking about quite a lot recently. Um, 
and I haven't just talked about this with my bandmates really. Um, but like, we're getting ready to record our next record and pod exclusive. There you go. And <laughs> I keep calling it LP four in my brain. And I think we all are um, like our Slack channels called LP four uh-huh. or whatever. And, but it's technically LP five if you count happy birthday rap boy. So right. yeah, that, that one is like kind of in this funny in between for me um, where like it, it does kind of ma- cause me to pause and think about like what makes like an official release in your discography. Mm-hmm. I think it definitely is one. Um, it was just so different from any of the other ones that we've made any of the other like full length records, because we had like no, no one knew we were making it and no one like, since no one knew no one like cared, there wasn't like any, not that there's, big expectations or like pressure when we go into the studio but we were literally just making it at home during lockdown and so um yeah it was super low-key like we didn't have a budget really we like didn't need one we were just doing it at home so it was um yeah and it was just a different project like kind of a different perspective or like different uh like concept going in rather than recording songs for the first time kind of revisiting and reimagining songs so yeah long story short i do i think it's definitely like an important and official release of ours but but yeah it's it's its own thing if that makes any sense yeah i i think that totally does um well well marcus and sean i mean weren't weren't there for the original one yeah, right exactly. And, exactly and that's and, a huge point and and those the, the songs from the original rap boy are not really readily available so there's plenty of people who, who really aren't all that aware of it so that's yes those are two very true things we we only <laughs> ever we only ever released that original ep the spring break stuff i was talking about earlier um on Bandcamp, and we made like a run of 40 cassettes for our first tour mm-hmm. um but that's it. So unless you own that cassette or you've listened, like scrolled all the way down and like gone to the bottom of our band camp, then you probably hadn't heard it before. So that, right. I, that was the hope is that we could like make something that uh, like scratches the itch of any longtime mm-hmm. listener, but also kind of sh- shows off some something new for everybody else. New. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So the, I, this will make sense in a second, but we, we recently interviewed uh, Kip Berman, who is in The Pains of Being Pure at Heart. He now has a project oh, cool. called Natural. Yeah, great, great guy. Um, but he was talking about like, he's going on tour now for an album he put out in April that he'd recorded like a year or two beforehand and how that felt like kind of foreign to him. And like, it was also interesting for him to, he was talking about writing in the sense that like, he'll go back to material and be like, oh, yeah so i was talking about this but in the moment it didn't feel like i was so like revisiting happy birthday rap boy did any themes present themselves did anything like stand out in your mind that maybe you hadn't been thinking about in the moment that now like 10 years removed from it you're like oh okay so like that's what i was going through that's what i was talking about sorry it's a long-winded question no no that's that's a really good question i i don't know i think i uh i'm not sure if there were any like running themes that kind of connect the songs just because uh, they were all kind of written at like different points. Like even that EP, the, like that those five songs on the A side, um, three of them were from like my high school days. So like I wrote them before I mm-hmm. met Dave, and um, and then the other two were like college jams or whatever. But yeah, like there were definitely like 
I went into the, the whole project thinking like I might rewrite some lyrics um, because like some of the original lyrics I read and listen to and know exactly what I was, what 16 year old me was talking <laughs> about. And I'm literally just like talking about like stuff I learned in English class in high school that day. And like, just like kind of your world's little, expanded. Yeah. It was just like my teenage mind just being blown and like me just <laughs> writing about it. But then when I, yeah, when I went back and actually got down to a business trying to revise some lyrics, I was like, this just feels wrong. Like, like <laughs> I, A, I'm not like deeply embarrassed by anything that I'm saying or else we would have, you know, taken a step back. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely noticed some like, I don't know if themes are the right word, but just some meaning that I had kind of forgot about like i it i just was transported back to like writing mm -hmm. the tunes at the very beginning and that was kind of fun honestly um especially with what we were all going through at that time it's like totally. you go back to a happier time yeah a more carefree innocent age yeah. <laughs> for sure but yeah i didn't end up changing any of the words i just kept them the same so Sorry, there's a lot of words in some of these songs. That is <laughs> one of the things I'm working on nowadays in my new my new compositions. Less is more. What uh what are you guys currently working on? Um yeah, just a new record. LP four We're... slash five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, trying to figure out we're in the process now of trying to figure out which songs we're actually gonna record and which one. Like you never wanna like you know throw away an idea too soon or like just assume it wouldn't turn into anything else but at the same time we it's been a long time since we recorded printer's devil which was like the one our most recent record of like yeah. all mm -hmm. new material right. um yeah we recorded that in late 2018 so it's been like three years and um so have a lot of songs from then until now and so trying to pare it down to the to the record but uh how does your your collective writing process work like is everyone throwing ideas out or do you come to people does dave come to people with the band and it's like here's an idea i have like how collaborative is it like how's that what does that look like yeah it's usually an idea that like applies to a kind of a song that i've already shown everyone like um we we haven't really written any songs yet where it's like us jamming and it becomes a song. Um, we usually like I will write a song alone and then show it to Dave. And if he likes it, then that's the go ahead to keep working on it and then show it to Sean and Marcus and Dave in like a band practice context. Um, but yeah, it's funny, like we we just haven't really had like, like when we get together, since we have so many like song songs that we're like working on and like the structure's already there, we haven't had that much time to just like free jam in a while. Cause we're either rehearsing for like shows or working on like song ideas. Last year in August, 2020, we got to go up to Michigan for I think 10 days and do that, like, which was great. Um, we were working on a lot of song ideas too, but also at the end of the night, just kind of get drunk and jam. And mm -hmm. that was really fun. That so, sounds like fun. So, Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, it was yeah. great. We were hoping to do that right again now. this winter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Drink them if you got them. But 
but yeah, it was, that was great. So hopefully we'll get to do that again before long. Um, well, I think I'm wrong. Oh yeah, go ahead. I, I, I think a lot of people um, when, when uh, printer's devil came out, you know, thought it was a, you know, a significant evolution from the, your earlier records. Um, you know, do you feel like that's true? And if so, why? And what, you know, what's this new one going to look like? Is it a con- continued evolution or uh, whatever? Yeah, I, I was so like, not to be, you know, getting high on my own supply or whatever, but I was like <laughs> so stoked when we left the studio like, cause we immediately went on a tour, a short tour right after we finished recording. So we we're like getting mixes in the car and um, yeah, like so stoked mainly with the guitar sound, like the guitar and the drum mm-hmm. sounds that we were mm-hmm. able to get. And <laughs> I guess all of it, like the vocal, I was, we just tried <laughs> some new stuff on that record that we had never tried before. Um, the two main things that I, when I think back now were all four of us were in the room together. So the drums, bass, and two guitars, like the basic tracks were all recorded at the same time, um, which not only gave this like real, I think tangible live energy to the songs, but also saved a lot of time. So then we had like a ton of time to do cool overdubs and like get really experimental and weird. Like, uh, yeah, there was all these crazy delay like machines and like tape stuff at the studio we were at. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Palisade. So yeah, that was great. And the other thing was that I, in the past, I had leaned really heavily on like double tracking my voice all the time. But in this one, I had a goal in Printer Devil, I had a goal to not do that to like single track mainly and just double track for points of emphasis. I don't know if mm-hmm. people know what double tracking is. It's like mm-hmm. when you record, uh, you know, two takes of your voice and like mm-hmm. layer them. So mm-hmm. it sounds nice and nice yeah. and full. But yeah, add some depth. Totally. But there's a lot more single track vo- vocals on Prince Devil, which I'm stoked about still. Um, still feels like that record. It's tough because like it came out right before COVID and it still feels like we haven't like fully toured on yeah. it, even though mm-hmm. that window is kind of closed, which kind of sucks. I, I don't know. You could like, do like a two year revisiting of it, right? Like yeah, you have dude. a track record now of going back and looking at stuff again. Yeah. At the very least we could do like a remix or like a fucking tour, like a who knows. Mm-hmm. but there's so much good as... stuff on there i i feel like I, i'm sorry i'm talking over you but oh no I, please I feel not. like that is it was such a missed opportunity like i remember you guys had the record release show and i want to see it was at the hideout or lincoln hall at the end both. of both right? both both yeah. yeah okay hey good job brain yep. uh, yeah uh and i was like oh i can't make it it's like two last minute um i'll catch them when they go back on they're from chicago they'll be here a million mm-hmm. times and then yeah. like yep. feeling so much regret like as soon as everything started happening, being like, oh, this is the worst. And like, oh, no, I mean, no one knew what was coming. We were fully ready to like hit the road hard on on the back of that one. So it was, yeah, that was, we were in such denial at the very beginning. I had like, we were like, okay, we'll cancel the March and April, or we'll postpone the March and April shows, mm-hmm. but May and June, that'll be fine. You know, like we were so hopeful that it would be over really quick, which looking back now is like, insane like mm-hmm. delusional <laughs> yeah. would have ever felt that way but uh but hey like at this point it was never going to be any other way and we are just excited to hopefully you know we're going to keep those songs in our set and hopefully people resonate with them and are happy yeah, to hear them so 
as an optimist that I am, I, I would think it'd be a really cool opportunity for like people are like, oh, there's this new album, Happy Birthday Rap Boy. This band's awesome. Let me go check them out. And then they're hearing stuff and they're like, wait, what's this? Like, there's no cooler feeling than being at a show and hearing a song you haven't heard before and being like, I always will, if I have my phone with me, I'll be like, let me write down a lyric real quick and then I'll yeah. like look it up later on. And like, that's a really cool way to turn people onto the album. Maybe it's not mm-hmm. writing that first wave, but maybe that second or third wave will be even better. Yeah, totally. That's a great way to look at it. And like the thing about that record that we really wanted to achieve is being able to hear the song at the show and be like, I love this. I want to buy the record at the merch table. And then Mm -hmm. you buy it Mm -hmm. and you get home and you put it on and it sounds the same. Like that's what we wanted. And so haven't had too many opportunities to have that exact sequence of events that I just said (laughs) happen yet. But the goal is that'll hopefully happen a lot in the future. Um, But yeah. What I love about that album is there's like, so much good stuff on there and it like is so i don't want to say like all over the place because it makes it sound like it's not cohesive it is cohesive but like it's it's very different like if you hear a song like and it's gonna sound very different than like printer's devil at the end of the album right yeah and i i ride so hard for printer's devil and i don't want to embarrass myself right now but like it's i think it's underrated from the standpoint that like it's such a good outro track it like I don't know if you know American analog set, but like yeah. it reminds me of them in like the best way possible that like, it's such a, like a warm song and you're like, cool. All right. I'm done with this album. I feel good now. I can like move on to the next thing. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Um, love that band. And yeah, that's my favorite song on the album, which is why I wanted to call the album that <laughs> yes. the guys were cool with it. So big win for me, but um, <laughs> yeah i thank you i and i love we've we've kind of gone back and forth like oftentimes we've been this year since since covid we've been uh like ending our sets with that which i really like yeah it just feels like such a natural last song to me i don't really know Mm -hmm. why it's just got this kind of meditative quality that i really enjoy yes yes It's, it's it's like the the organ you have going in it's like yeah it creates a warmth to it well i shouldn't tell you about your own song (laughs) thank you i'm glad that dude i it's awesome to hear that what you are going for is something that someone else like Mm -hmm. digs yeah (laughs) yeah um so let's talk about let's go back a little bit to to covid kicking off like what were those conversations like how did it how complex was it behind the scenes, like undoing everything and being like, we're not going on this tour. Like I, I, I imagine you have a team, like a team that will like a booking team that will ha- help that you with that stuff. Like from a technical perspective, what's that like? And then from like a, a, like, Hey, this was supposed to be the next like year of my life. How did, how did that all work out? Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it was so crazy. We, we were so sure like i said that this would be okay i was like so sure for some reason that a this the virus wouldn't come to america i was like oh it's in italy it's in china Mm -hmm. like like how naive but anyway um yeah i'll never forget it was march 6th when south by southwest was canceled Mm -hmm. and um that was a huge day um we, you know, in our like text group, just with me and my bandmates and our friend Tim, who was planning to do merch on our tour, which was set to start eight days after that on the 14th. Um, yeah, we we're all just kind of freaking out in this text group, like, holy, like the that festival is just such a monolith. Like the mm-hmm. fact that it got canceled was like unprecedented, just 
shocking, you know? And so got an email that day from, yeah, from one of, we, at the time we had two booking agents, Tom and Wilson, and got an email from Tom that was just like, Wilson and I are completely, you know, like I just said, like, this is, you know, earth shattering news, not to be dramatic, but it felt like that. It felt like the whole kind of rug was being pulled or at least mm-hmm. just starting to be mm-hmm. pulled. And so anyway, he was like, you know, we'll revisit, we'll regroup. At that time, we didn't cancel any shows because it didn't feel like we just still didn't really understand what was happening. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, that next, so that was a Friday. And then that next week on the Wednesday, I think it was the 12th, I think, um, that there was a series of events where that was the night that the NBA shut down and Tom Hanks announced that he had mm-hmm. COVID mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> Trump at the time did like a travel ban to Europe or something. And when all those things happened, literally like in the same hour, it was so crazy. Um, that's when we got the email from uh, our booking agents who were like this, like, cause all the venues were like freaking out. And mm-hmm. I wish I could say it was us taking the lead being like health and safety. <laughs> like we need to go, but like, we just still fully didn't get it. And so, yeah, all the venues were pulling the plug and that's when we realized like, yeah, this is a way bigger problem than we hoped or feared and like at that point it became an ethical issue and we were like we can't ask people to come to these shows and (laughs) endanger themselves and not just them but their whole communities and the only safe you know the only ethical thing to do now is just to stay home and so long story short yeah we then it was just coming up with a little statement about postponing our shows and putting Mm -hmm. it on a little background and yeah posting it on instagram but it, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was just going through my photos on my phone and have a bunch of screenshots of like emails and stuff from that week. Cause I think at the time I started to realize like, this is like a historic, yeah, thing. Sure. not in our, the tiny like world of our band, but just like in the history of human, you know, civilization or whatever. I'm like, this is like something I'll for- remember for the rest of my life. So yeah. What a time chaos. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, t- yeah, t- Tim that you referenced, I assume that's Tim Crisp, who who yeah. wrote uh, the article in the sh- in the in the reader. Um, yeah. Shortly after that, which really went to, into a lot of cool depth about the impact that it had on on your band, you know, the, yeah. the loss of income from shows and merch and, you know, all these things. Um, but, it, you know, clearly at that point, you, you know, you're scrambling to figure out, all right they just took away our main way of living. Um, What do we do now? And you came up with some unique things. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. We uh, scrambling is the right word. We Mm -hmm. were, we were truly like, felt like, you know, like the image in my head right now is just like standing on a frozen pond, like just slipping all over the place. It was like kind of lost our footing, like you said, but the, at that point, the big comforting thing was, not that I'm like happy that the whole world shut down, but like, it wasn't just us, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. we, the whole global community was figuring out how to, you know, survive in this crisis. So um, definitely kind of leaned on our peers and like our community and friends to figure out, to like brainstorm ways to figure it out. And, um, and like, yeah, when we made the post with all of our tour merch, cause we were literally supposed to leave for tour two days after we canceled mm-hmm. it. And so um, we had all this merch that we had already bought, including 
the very first time we had ever made tour shirts, like with the actual dates on the back, mm-hmm. which was cursed. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so, you know, just made a post telling people, hey, we have all this merch now. Like, if you want something, let me know. And hey. we sold like all of it. Like we like it all sold. And so people were very generous and we were able to figure out ways to stay afloat. But yeah, it was a little it was tricky <laughs> for sure. Mm hmm. And then whose idea was it for the the virtual tour? It's kind of like taking on a little life of its own now. Yes. Yeah. That the name and the idea of playing in front of a green screen was my idea. And I, um, I shared it with a few other musician like bands thinking it could be like a collaborative thing or like a festival or something. And everyone was kind of just off doing their own thing. So I was like, well, I guess this will be our thing. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Yeah, we already had, so there were a few like circumstances where we were just already weirdly like kind of set to go like, and this was all very fortunate, just luck. Um, But like we already had this small green screen that we used for the show. Um, Sean, our bassist, has a band called, he used to have a band called Single Player and now has bands called Jupiter Styles, but he, he used it for a music video he made back in the day where he dressed up as Angus Young from ACDC. <laughs> Highly recommend you look it up. Yeah, um, definitely yeah, do that. Look that up. But anyway, um, yeah, so we already had this little green screen, like ordered a webcam off of the internet, like pretty early, like, you know, in March. So luckily got, got in there before the whole world wanted to buy a webcam. And um, yeah, and we, Sean and Dave and I all live together. So, and we have this basement where we practice and where like we could do it. So we, we kind of just, and, and the thing is too, that I always tell people, people are like, how are you able to like be so productive during, um, you know, lockdown and quarantine and stuff. And the thing is like, we were literally two days away from going on this tour that we had planned and prepped for, for mm-hmm. like weeks and months. And we, we hadn't toured our last tour before, this year was july 2019 we like purposefully with a lot of intention took off the fall of 2019 to give ourselves a break because we hadn't hadn't taken any like substantial time off from touring in a long time and so we were like oh we'll hit it hard in 2020 so it had been like you know six no like eight months since we Mm -hmm. had toured and so we had all this energy built up and we like all of a sudden had nothing to spend it on and so we were really bored and we like needed to find a way <laughs> mm-hmm. to do something. So that's why, but uh, well, the thing that, that I've continually been captivated by watching it uh, over a period of time is like how you guys all interact. You have really great chemistry and it seems like you guys all generally genuinely like one another, which is really cool to see. Um, yes. And uh, great, great question so far. So seeing Sean and Marcus are like <laughs> later editions, did it take a while for you guys to get to that point or did it feel right? Like these are the dudes right from the get-go from the jump with them coming in and playing with you guys. Oh, like in general. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, definitely. Well, so I, Sean was one of those people that I met um, when I went back to Dave's hometown and we played shows and like, I met a bunch of his music friends. They didn't, Sean and Dave didn't go to high school together, but they were from neighboring suburbs and, um, like kind of came up in the same DIY community uh, in high school. So he was one of the first people I met um, when I kind of (laughs) like forced myself into that community. Um, 
but yeah, always like was a huge fan of his. And then we needed a new bassist in 2016, like the winter. And so, yeah, Sean was, he was just kind of someone I always loved being around and someone I knew loved music. He had just graduated college at the time and um, he didn't play bass. Um, He learned bass Mm -hmm. to be in this band. That was a huge, uh, very generous thing of it to do. Dave, (laughs) Dave's main instrument when I met him was bass. So Dave kind of gave Sean, you know, showed him the ropes a tiny bit with bass. And then Sean was off and running from there. Um, and then Marcus is someone, I don't even remember how we met, but he, uh, he's been playing in bands like longer than any of us. And um, yeah, he, he plays in a band Pet Symmetry who put out an amazing record this yeah, year. Yeah, that sounds great. Feature Suits. Dude, it rocks yeah. like really hard. Um and yeah there are you like save some of that stuff for us (laughs) (laughs) dude no anytime marcus rocks it is like a net benefit for all of mankind you know like i i want more rock um (laughs) like whoever's making it i love it all but yeah um we were we were they invited us to do a few shows with them like a week uh and at the time we had played with so many different drummers and we couldn't really keep one Mm -hmm. like we just couldn't seem to really keep one locked down for so many different reasons, just like life, you know, people want to have jobs. People don't want right. to do shitty tours. I don't yeah. know. So, <laughs> um, which I respect. So Marcus agreed very generously to fill in on the, on those shows. Cause we were kind of scrambling mm-hmm. um, at that time, this was in 2017. And so, yeah, he filled in and immediately we were like, at least I was very stoked to play with him. Marcus is just like a very, very, uh, like talented dude. It's really cool. And he's very confident and like knows who he is on the drums. Um, which is great to just have someone who, uh, there's like no self-esteem issues. He just, I don't know. He rocks hard, but he's there in support of the song. He's not there. Exactly. Like exactly. And he, yeah, he's, he's all about it such a team team player and just a great friend and so when he filled in on those shows we were all very stoked he did a bunch of other tours with us basically he was the guy we would ask from then on Mm -hmm. to do a tour and if he couldn't do it then we would find someone else and luckily we were able to play with a ton of awesome musicians over the years um but then yeah in 20 at the end of 2018 we approached him about like recording drums on printer's devil and that was such a positive experience that from there it was kind of like yeah like you're you're our guy and so you're you are a rat boy yes yeah exactly so um yeah it's been great and luckily they were all down sean dave and marcus were all down to do the silly virtual shenanigans mm-hmm. during covid and they still are like we're gonna do one this weekend I'm very excited about that um we don't do them as often anymore because we have a lot of in-person commitments these days but um, hoping that we could still, I would like to keep the show going like indefinitely because um, it's just an extra thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it really does provide something extra for people who either can't come to the in-person shows or who don't feel safe coming or mm-hmm. just can't risk it. And um, yeah, I, I love the idea of streaming. Like I hope mm-hmm. it keeps going. I hope other bands keep doing it because it's, extremely accessible and democratic right. and i'm all about it cool 
Yeah. Well, to 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 kind of summarize, I mean, y- you and Dave did an amazing job with these temporary band members, pickup bands, whatever. I mean, it's 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 <laughs> it's, it's it's phenomenal that you were able to to be as successful as you were doing that. But that being said, now that you have, you know, Sean and Marcus in the band, it's got to be the greatest feeling like fucking a, I got a band now. Dude. Yes, it is. It, it is just the best thing. It's funny. Cause like I grew up, I told you guys, like I didn't ever dream of being in a band. Cause I just like, didn't even think about it. I didn't know what that would look like, but mm-hmm. ever since I started, playing like in a band it was my dream to have a stable functional Mm -hmm. like lineup of people who i love being around and who treat each other nicely and with respect and you know are you know like can survive each other's presence you know like want to be with each other and it's like a huge part of being in a band that has nothing to do with playing music and so um yeah, I do not take it for granted, like at all. And that's something that we're all very keen on is just mm-hmm. communicating and making sure we all feel seen and heard because we all realize like we've all played with so many different people and I'm not talking bad about anyone that I've played with. It's just like it's rare and hard to find like um, yeah. that group dynamic. So we all know how special it is and we want to keep it, keep it going. This isn't Julia's hit list, what you're saying. <laughs> I do not have a hit list. <laughs> no, I think zero I, uh, people on my hit list. I think I think Sean had mentioned it in a, a interview or on one of your videos or whatever about how you know a lot of his friends and bands complain about how it is you know going on tour with their with their with their friends in a band um, yeah. and they don't get along whatsoever. But he says with this, it's just awesome. I mean, he just loves being a part of it. Hell yeah. I'm gl- I'm so glad he feels that way because yeah, touring can definitely feel yeah. like a a slog, you know. But the thing is though is like if it's feeling like a slog because you hate your bandmates, then that's something that right like yeah. you know needs problem. to be yeah yeah, yeah. that's a huge problem because because right. yeah. even when things are going great and your relationships are you know completely healthy and solid, like there's other stuff on tour that can be a huge mental drag, and so having that backbone of like support from your bandmates and like genuine love is something that even if like dumb shit happens on tour, like for instance, nowadays the dumb stuff that happens on tour is usually getting harassed for wearing a mask in the gas station, Mm -hmm. which is (laughs) insane. Um, but happens all the time. And it's nice to be in an environment where you feel empowered to like tell people when weird shit happens to you. And like, I don't know, just, you can be honest and vulnerable and mm-hmm. we, all, we all got each other's backs. That's the, that's the main thing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, love that. And I, I think that like shows in the music, right? Like you guys have really, you're really tight as a band, like performance wise. And it's awesome to see. Thanks. Um, is, uh, then we're going to, we're going to pivot into Chicago questions in just one second, but uh, cool. I did want to know, like, what is like the most like surreal moment you've had in music recently? I know you guys like, opened you played for bernie sanders right so like was there a moment in the past couple of years where you're like shit this is like really happening now oh man. um i mean a lot of dumb stuff comes to mind but like the, we're the here most for the dumb stuff we're here for the dumb okay stuff. the most recent one was when I, i've been interacting a lot with wendy's social media person um 
so when Wendy's finally acknowledged my existence since I saw that that was so great yes, you are a huge fan great. of I don't know what they call them but it's like a frappuccino but their version of it the frosty chino yes I, <laughs> I love it um but yeah I I legitimately do love those and um yeah that was that was cool but that's not my answer that's stupid um <laughs> what was I gonna say oh yeah so genuinely not to bring it back to the socks too hard but I got to sing the national anthem at a yes, Sox you did. game um yeah. i lost i saw that on july. tv and i was like no shit did you that's yeah. so, oh my god they show that shit on tv oh god <laughs> um, <laughs> cool okay i didn't know that um yes it was awesome so that was my friend uh elizabeth moen who i'm not sure are you guys familiar with liz liz moen I'm, I'm not i'm sorry she is so cool she well she just moved here so she's new to chicago she's from iowa originally um but she is an extremely talented guitarist and songwriter, like very soulful, very um, like kind of folky country stuff, but like very soulful, her vocals, especially. Anyway, um, she's a, a buddy of mine and she was able, I'm not exactly sure, someone that her, her an old college buddy of her dad's like works for the White Sox and we were able to like get in there and sing the national anthem. Um, but for me, it was two things. It was just like this, like, I don't know, making friends in music never gets old. Like not for the, mm-hmm. not for the objective or the goal of like doing something or achieving something, but just, you never know where it's going to lead you. And I just love it. Like, um, it's so fun just meeting new, you know, people and learning from them and, you know, like, doing cool stuff together um but it was this other thing of like sports and music colliding which are two like my two great loves and um that was so sick to like literally stand on a baseball field and sing that's like a dream so that was like a huge bucket list thing for me um but that's not really that's not that doesn't really have anything to do with the band or like what uh like any sort of success we've achieved, but it was, it was so cool mm-hmm. to, to be yeah, out I mean, there. I don't, I don't fault you for that. Sometimes you get really cool experiences. Like you end up getting asked to play on wild pink's new album. That's that dude. Oh my fantastic. God. Oh, you guys, they are the best band. I, Oh, Dave, you got a text. Dave's checking his text over my shoulder. Um, <laughs> yes. Wild pink is the absolute best band on the planet in my opinion i'm obsessed with them and john is this like hulking man who writes the most like tender gentle music ever it is just endlessly fascinating to me and yeah that was a huge like a huge honor to be on those songs so highly recommend and then getting to hear them every night on tour was Mm -hmm, a dream they're like our ultimate like touring with them being the first band that we toured with kind of coming out of this massive lockdown phase was really um, special. Cause we like, just they're like very close to us and we trust them a lot. So. Well, you know, you get like Dave up there playing with them, then you'd sing songs with them. So it was like a, an amalgamation of two great bands there. Hell yeah. Thanks man. Um, so also fun. really liked when you guys did free falling at the empty bottle with them. That was a yes. great moment for me. Ah, uh, so fun. That was all John. So glad John asked. Well, um, great job, John. If you ever listen to this, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. uh, so let's talk about Chicago. Um, you are an active participant in the Chicago music community. Uh, 
what do you think makes this community so unique and, and special? Like the, the point, if, if you haven't listened to the podcast or anybody out there who's listening to it for the first time is like, we're here to champion and support that. Like we want to shed positive, good light on everything that people are doing. And um, you know, it could be a struggle at times. So if we're like making people's jobs and lives even easier, or better, like that's what we're here to do. Dude. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. I think like it's, it's one thing to give kind of like, subjective answers to this question but i feel like there's also some very like practical answers to this question um that i've been thinking about a lot um as we've all had a lot of time Mm -hmm. to think over the last couple years um (laughs) one thing that i love about it is it's it's easy to get around here so like uh the public transit system here makes it really easy to get to shows and um you can go to multiple shows in one night. Can't do that everywhere. Can't do that in LA. Mm-hmm. God knows you cannot. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing, like since we're in the Midwest, I don't know. Uh, obviously not everyone who is in the music community grew up here, but there's like a general um, kind of attitude here where the default is just a little bit friendlier than kind of anywhere else on the coast. And so you have this kind of ease of travel combined with people who are genuinely having a good time. And also you're in a big city where like, I don't know, you kind of have to travel through it to get to other places and you end up just having a lot of awesome shows, with people who genuinely want to be there. And um, it, it's great. And I don't know, like, I don't know. We, we kind of started playing shows in this like, weird little golden zone where like Spotify wasn't a thing and social media wasn't a thing yet. And so we like our entry point into playing it in venues in Chicago was literally just me emailing people like, here's our EP on Bandcamp. Can we play a show? And promoters are just like down to earth and cool with it. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. um, there are local bills here that still happen that will sell out and people just Mm -hmm. love music (laughs) and the last thing I'll say is there's so many different, I love there are a lot of mixed bills in Chicago and a lot of, um, yeah, just a lot of kind of variety and diversity musically, like on a lot of bills. And so you can kind of find, find your niche, even if you don't subscribe to like one genre necessarily. We got booked on a lot of like punk shows or hardcore shows at the very beginning because of our name, um, which I'm totally cool with. And luckily when we would show up and the promoter clearly had never listened to our music before, we didn't get like thrown out or mm-hmm. booed out or whatever. People were like into it. So um, yeah, there's a lot that there's many reasons, but I couldn't imagine like being in any other place. Um, so there are a decent amount of bands that are, are fronted or have female musicians in them in Chicago. There's, there's you guys, mm-hmm. there's, there's, as I say, guys, I'm talking about women. Yeah. Uh, there's <laughs> rap boys, there's beach bunny, there's Ohm, dead bunny case oats. Uh, what is it about the Chicago music theme scene that you think fosters or helps, helps that become a reality? Is it completely unrelated to that? Yeah. I don't know if it has, I don't know if it's based on where we live or if it's just, um, yeah, like, I mean, it's hopefully that's becoming a thing everywhere. Like, I don't, I don't really know if it's um, like, I'm not sure if it's 
promoters or venues like putting an emphasis on booking those kinds of bands or like bands with more representation. Um, I mean, certainly Riot Fest didn't do that this year. That was something that was pretty disappointing. Um, like I think the mm-hmm. first headliner with the woman mm-hmm. in the band was like best coast and they were like 25th on the bill or something. I don't know. That was stupid. But um, so like, there's a lot of, a lot of progress yet to be made, I guess. But yeah, I mean, on the other hand, Pitchfork went out of its way to Pitchfork yeah. went out of its yeah. way. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was yeah. so impressed by that and really yeah. um, wished we were out of town for that. And I really would have loved to have at least gone to the festival. I've actually never mm-hmm. been to Pitchfork. Um, oh, it's a great time. Yeah. Their lineup this year was was really cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you could tell they went out of their way to to do that, um, to have a little bit more representation. So that was cool. But um, yeah, I. I mean, part of it maybe is just being in a bigger city. Like, I think people, there's just a diverse community of people making music and people maybe are getting sick of just seeing five band bills of the same exact thing. Like, I don't know. It's, it just gets a little old after a certain period of time. And that's not to say that bands with like all white guys all sound the same because they definitely don't. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's just nice to have a little bit of, a little bit of variety on the bill, you know? Well, I think and, people are in. And, and, and the other thing is, I mean, the bottom line is the music fans in Chicago come out and support that. If, mm-hmm. if yeah, they didn't show up totally. for the shows, if they didn't buy the records, whatever, it, it's not going to happen. But obviously, totally, us as fans love to see that. So definitely. And I mean, it's a good thing because it'll only continue in, like, I think, because it's one thing, you know, to go out to a show and, you know, don't, you don't see anyone who looks like you necessarily mm-hmm, playing mm-hmm. in bands may, might not feel as possible. I'm definitely not saying that's what happened with me and not even being able to visualize being in a band. Cause I don't think it had much to do with that. I wasn't going to many shows back then, mm-hmm. like when I was a kid either, but the idea that girls now could go to shows and not just girls, mm-hmm. you know, black kids, like Hispanic fucking, you know, like, trans non-binary whatever like if you see someone who's breaking the mold even the tiniest way on stage that's like a super empowering mm-hmm. thing Absolutely. speaking of ohm dude speaking of ohm um they're oh, i don't want to hold on i want to get this band i think they're called neptune neptune's core um there's a band here in chicago who yeah neptune's core they uh i first met them Oh, sorry. Did I cut out? No, you're good. We got you. Yep. Uh, I was just looking up to make sure I didn't mess up their name. Yeah. Neptune's Core. I first met them at an Ohm show. They're these uh, four young women who they can't be more than 14 or 15, but they have a band and they kind of formed because they all loved Ohm and love going to their shows. Oh, that's awesome. And they're always up front at the Ohm shows and, and now they're playing shows and it's literally a straight line, like a direct line. Mm -hmm. And, (laughs) I want to see more of that. Like that's mm-hmm. the coolest thing. I, one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So um, yeah, luckily the city is, you know, our community fosters that. It's really yeah. cool. It's inspiring yeah. that it's inspiring. Totally. <laughs> it's Love sense. it. Um, we're going to ask you some rapid fire. Well, you can add as much context as you want to these yeah. Chicago questions. So <laughs> yeah. the first one is deep dish or thin crust pizza. What's your preference? Ooh. I love both. I'm very much as I am with the Sox and the Cubs. I support all Chicago pizzas. 
time and place for everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I eat the thin crust more often, the party squares, but party deep dish, squares. anytime there's an excuse to eat deep dish, whether it's a someone's in town, special occasion, I don't care. <laughs> I'm all about it. I love it. Um, do you have favorite spots for those locations, for those types of pizzas? Excuse me. Yeah. Um, well, the, the favorite spot for the thin crust is like our local spot near our house called Sorrento's. I don't think it's like the best pizza in the world, but it's extremely cheap and it's really close to our house. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so we get that probably once a, at least once a month, maybe twice. Um, and then for deep dish, there is a, well, Art of Pizza, love Art of Pizza on Ashland. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there's a place, a really good place near where we recorded some of Happy Birthday Rat Boy, um, like Pulaski and Belmont-ish. I think it's just called Chicago Pizza. I need to look that up. All, I know it as the takeout that we get at our friend Adam's studio sometimes, <laughs> mm-hmm. but they do like a broccoli sausage deep dish that is mm. really, really good. Um, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I'll have to. Okay. I'll look up the name. I'll get back to you. Uh, so you've played a, a wide variety of, of shows here over the years, different venues from like probably somebody's basement, somebody's backyard, all the way up to you're playing Talia Hall on the 23rd. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite venue you've played here? Um, hmm, probably I think Beat Kitchen will always be very special. Um, yeah. I mean, there, that's, there's just like a tier of venues that I consider just extremely like sentimental. Probably Bee Kitchen, Bee Kitchen, Shubas and Subterranean are all like yeah. mm-hmm. in that, in that, on that tier. Sub T is the first place that we ever, like first venue we ever got to play upstairs. Like I said, Cole called the promoter and he was just like, sure. Nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Lots but then Bee Kitchen is, we played there so much and mm-hmm. I just love the way it sounds in that room. It's like a wooden box. It's amazing. That's a thousand degrees at all times. <laughs> yeah. It's always so hot in there. <laughs> they could yeah. think about fixing the fans. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe someday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not here for that. Uh, <laughs> what or what are you, you gave us Neptune's core. What are some other Chicago bands you've been, you've been digging lately? Ooh, that's a good question. I, um, well, the most recent show I think I went to was BV Lightbody. Um, Viv McConnell, if you're familiar, she's an amazing musician. She plays flute. She plays all sorts of instruments, and her music has this very kind of mysterious, like harmonic mm-hmm. quality to it. It is, it is something else. Um, that show was really great. Um, let me think. You mentioned Case Oates, huge fan of Casey's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, her her lyrics are kind of like very dry and like to the point, but like extremely emotional. It's kind of a unique combination. Um, hmm. Well, the bands that we're playing with at Holly Hall are two of our favorites by far. Retirement Party is a band that we've played with. Yeah, and we were actually talking. I'm not sure if we've actually ever played together, which is weird because mm-hmm. uh, been to so many of their shows, especially they've played some really good shows at Bee Kitchen, but um, really catchy, just energetic, infectious tunes. Mm-hmm. And Avery, Avery has just a great way of kind of 
writing really cynical songs that like aren't depressing you know like i don't know <laughs> yeah. it's like funny kind of and uh our buddy chris dirt who we've known forever is playing in that band now so we're like just so excited to get to hang with them next week um and get to finally play a show together and yeah rat tally is another band another rat band from chicago mm-hmm. rat tally although i'm not sure it's mainly the um a solo like a solo performer but yeah very affecting um i saw her open for snow Elliott at sleeping village as who's another like kind of rising emo star from chicago mm-hmm. snow Elliott. that shit rocks um but yeah there's so many i don't know so many bands to discover it's like kind of amazing like my friend i have a friend ed from cleveland who just catches like every touring band that goes to cleveland and he'll he'll you know, message me every so often be like, do you know this band from Chicago? Like, they're so good. And I'm like, I don't like, this is awesome. You know, like, holy cow, there's like so many good bands here. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, never ends. It's awesome. It's always very humbling talking to musicians when you're like, Hey, who do you like? And they name like 10 bands you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, I know that one. Snow Elliott. I have listened to him before. He is really good. Yeah, man. Dude, he's going places. And I mean, he only has like five songs out and they're all so good. So, yeah. It's great. Uh, he's got that cassette game on on tab. Who knew when you guys put out cassettes a decade ago, they'd be coming back? Yeah, baby. Oh, I <laughs> love tapes. I collect tapes, so I'm a huge uh, fan. I can't do it. Oh, I love it. Can't Actually, do I don't have a way to play them. I just collect. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> really. Yeah, my my father in law. We gave him a tape for something, and he's like, "I don't have a tape player," so we had to give him a tape player too. Like, there you go. <laughs> yep. Now he's, he's <laughs> so happy. Nice. Uh, so do you, it, it sounds like you, you, you're a collector, you like getting tapes. Do you only get tapes at shows or do you have like a preferred record store in the city that you like to go to? Yeah, I pretty much, uh, dude, I actually have not gone record shopping in a long time. Um, I, my rule was kind of just buy records and tapes at shows or at record stores that we go to on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me, the, there's a record store, <laughs> My favorite record store ever was Erexity in Louisville, where I grew up, that closed 10 years ago. So that is unfortunately not somewhere that any of us can go anymore. But the best record store, I God, this was a Chicago question, huh? Because be my favorite anywhere. record store, yeah, well, my favorite record store that I've ever been to uh, is this place called Terrapin Station, uh, which is a Grateful Dead reference in um murray kentucky which is like a very small town but we've toured through there and um this guy tim owns this record store called terrapin station and and we played there with Mm -hmm. super styles anyway it rocks has like the best mix of used old cool records and new records that i didn't even know existed like weird comps and stuff and um like record store day stuff that's like always Mm -hmm. there kind of and um books and tapes and vhs tapes everything like he just it's like a treasure trove in a strip mall in this tiny college town in kentucky if you ever find yourself around those parts highly recommend but i don't know in chicago i've always enjoyed going to reckless and anytime Mm -hmm. that i've seen our music there it's always felt like a huge like you know like badge of pride to be Mm -hmm. in this record store that clearly like stocks so much really awesome music so mm-hmm. love going there and shout out if you go to reckless you can pick up your free me tv car magnet 
which is my favorite radio station in Chicago, 87.7 MeTV. Okay. Check um, it out, guys. We're, we are Chirp fans on this podcast. <laughs> Yo, Chirp is great, too. Different, we, see different things. Yeah, different we strokes. Just, yeah. We interviewed Sean a while back who runs Chirp. So nice. Trying to stay brand loyal there. there um, Word up. Okay, I support that. <laughs> uh so as we wind down uh i've got one last silly question then we'll ask you a serious one so we are as you, you may have seen we should have told you ahead of time we were going to drink on this thing but we're enjoying some pbr we're oh, big yes. fans of, of cheap beer uh cheap booze uh do you have a preferred or favorite cheap beverage so maybe you're not a beer person maybe you don't drink at all maybe you're like hey i, I ride for Lacroix. like what is your favorite cheap beverage of choice Oh man. Um, well, as far as beverages, I would drink regularly. Um, yeah, probably like Gatorade or something. I'm a big fan of water, which is free. Drink mm-hmm. that all the time. Um, <laughs> very, cheap. very extremely cheap. Um, yeah. I hear but, good things. Yeah, I got my got my bottle top of the line. <laughs> um, but as far as a nice alcoholic beverage to enjoy now and then. My go-to is this concoction called rat's blood, which uh, is a very easy two-ingredient cocktail to make. It's just vodka and grape juice, uh, no ice, room temperature. Wow. And um, <laughs> Is the vodka parts. chilled? No, 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 no. no. Okay. It's, it's a room temperature beverage. Um, and wow. I'm going to try that. That is, yeah, that's my signature drink. Uh, and it can be as cheap as you want. I mean, I usually spring for, you know, the you know, $15 bottle of vodka or whatever, shelf. but Hey, yeah. mm-hmm. the medium shell, um, way, but yeah, that's my, that's my move for sure. Wow. Hell yeah. But not cool. very often because it will <laughs> yeah. it'll get you. Man, rat's blood. Yep. I'm definitely going to have to have that in the next couple of days. Good luck. Although I might, I may church it up and have cold vodka. <laughs> in it. Does it have to be warm? Like, what's the, the thought behind so, the warm there? I'll tell you the story if okay, you want to. Please. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, not, I'm not going to out myself. I was, <laughs> I like was still in high school. So I definitely was breaking the rules. But uh, my, my mom and my friend's dad both worked for the same uh, like beverage spirits company growing up. And so um, like we found this bottle of vodka in my friend's parents' basement when we were in high school and we were like, Oh my God, you know, we could drink this or something like on an afternoon after school. And we found this massive Costco thing of grape juice. And it was like half, (laughs) half full, half empty, whatever. And just sitting in the basement, not in the fridge. And so we poured the vodka just straight into this grape juice container, all of it, and just started drinking it. And um, it was all room temperature. Yeah, man. But the thing is, it was awesome. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's the beginning of of everything. And um, that's where it comes from. And so I I really do stand by that. It's it's a room temp (laughs) drink, but I respect it if... uh, you know, no, you, you know what? Your it's your drink. drink. I'm gonna have it your way. You you um, have to at least try it that way. Yeah, I will. I mean, yeah. I make it sound like uh, I'm this fancy drinker, but I drink like <laughs> vodka water. You know, like a pour of water and some vodka. So what the hell do I know? Who knows? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna do it. Oh, it's gonna be so good. Let me know how it goes. Uh, 
I will for sure. Um, so the last question, and thank you very much for for all your time. Yeah. I've gone a little bit over. Uh, oh, no, thanks. What are you looking forward to the most next year with the band? I know you guys are going on tour tour in Europe with Julian Baker. Which Julian is awesome. Baker, yep. Dude, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm one hundred thousand percent looking forward to uh, playing in Dublin on that tour. Um, I lived in Dublin for a little while in college. And shortly after, and it's my favorite city on earth and can't wait to get back there. Um, it's been five. No, we played in Dublin in 2016 and that was the only time we've ever played there. So been itching to get back. So we're doing two nights there on the tour. And I was so thrilled when I saw the routing. Um, so yeah, really fingers crossed that there's no more like crazy variants and we can do this tour um you know really hoping that it'll work out but um yeah looking forward to that looking forward to recording some new tunes and just seeing seeing what happens next who knows that's awesome awesome uh yeah i i think that's really how did that i i lied i'm gonna ask one more question how did that <laughs> conversation ha- like did her people approach you guys like how did you get did she find you to be like hey we should go on tour together like how does that conversation work Kinda. It's it Kinda goes back. Baseball. Yeah, no, it goes back a ways actually. We um so I'll tell you the whole story if you want. Um sure. This goes back. So in twenty sixteen, we were uh I booked us like a DIY tour down to South by Southwest and we were booked in a venue in Denton, Texas. And we had it booked for a few weeks and then a few days before we were supposed to leave for the tour, I got an email that an artist named Julian Baker was actually going to use the room that night. You know, she had a real booking agent. I'm sure they went in there and they were like, no, like we're going to do our show. And which I totally get whatever. And um, I was able to say, well, Hey, can we like still play the show? Like, could we open for them maybe? And um, they said yes. And so we opened for her in Texas on a one-off in 2016 and met that night. And um, she's just a very sweet, approachable, down-to-earth person. Mm-hmm. We ran into each other a couple times that weekend at South by Southwest, like at DIY shows, like at mm-hmm. punk houses and stuff. She's she's like all about that. And um, so anyway, just kind of stayed in touch over the years and like would run into each other at um, just like have a few mutual friends. Nothing very like substantial, but she's always nice. And then in 2020, she had approached us about playing a couple shows together down south um like in the southern u.s and didn't work out obviously but i was kind of persistent in emailing her manager and just saying like hey you know i know this didn't work out but anything you want us to do like we would love uh to support her and at the time it was like just kind of rumblings that she was going to be playing with a full band and it was like this new kind of transition like big new era for her and i was so excited about that because I mean, ama- she's amazing on her own. And then with a band, I was just so stoked to maybe get to see that. So, yeah, just kind of try to stay in their orbit. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, then they just came at- came to us with this whole Europe thing. And it was like kind of out of nowhere and really long. And we were so stoked. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed that there's no more right. whatever comes after yeah. Omicron. Um, but we're all vaxxed and ready and hopefully it all all happens cool 
Well, yeah. we're, we're thinking good thoughts for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there Thanks, anything Mike. you would like to, to plug on our way out of here? Ooh, um, thanks so much to everyone who's listening. Thanks so much for having me guys. Um, really enjoyed this. I'm so glad you cold emailed me. Um, <laughs> awesome. Like I said, I'd been looking yeah. for an intro for a while. I was like, I gotta pick my spot. Then I was like, I'm just going to do it. They have a Gmail. Email. Just do it. Like, that, <laughs> yeah, they gotta dude. be checking that yeah. on their own. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I mean, yeah, love to, yeah. Love to talk on our talk to rap boys email. Nice. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm not totally sure when this is coming out, but yeah, we have one more show in Chicago this year on the 23rd. Um, you guys Ed are Talley playing. Hall, which is going to be so cool. Yeah, you guys are playing the Raccoon Hotel in Davenport, right? Absolutely, the yeah. night before on yeah. the 22nd. I know. I know. Sh- I know Sean Moeller who books that. Um, which cool. I, I think you guys probably did a day trotter one time back in the day. So a long used time to do ago. That. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Yeah, Sean's great. That show mm-hmm. will be great. Yeah. Um, we love Quad Cities. Played many a basement in the Quad Cities. Mm-hmm. So it'll be nice to get back there. And yeah, those are our last three shows in the U.S. till yep. next summer because we're going to make some yeah. make some new tunes in the winter. So yeah, oh, just yeah. appreciate, appreciate you having me. Yeah, thanks, yeah, guys. For sure. um, thanks, check Julia. out Rap Boys, obviously on Spotify, Bandcamp, anywhere you want to see them. They have rapboysband.com and then is it watchrapboys.com? I get that yeah. right. Yeah. Yep. That's where the, Check out the virtual tour. Goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. awesome. Well, thanks so much. We appreciate your time. Have a okay. good one. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Julia. You too. Talk to you soon. Yep. Bye. Take care. See ya. Thanks so much for listening today. We are no wristbands. We drink for free. Music, of course, has been provided by Merlin Wall. Please check them out on Spotify or on Bandcamp. Please also subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at No Wristbands and check out our website at noriskbands.com.